0: Lorna Scott is the CEO and founder of Inverosh Distillery in a town called Still Bay in the Western Cape in South Africa. Lorna was at one stage deputy mayor of that jurisdiction and that is when she became involved in sustainable development. One of her main objectives was to develop the region as a tourist destination and create employment amongst the local community. Lorna Scott, thank you so much for this opportunity to be meeting with you on Zoom to do this podcast today. It's fantastic to have a woman who has done so well in business on this podcast today. I think we can learn so much from you. You have so much insight and now you are a CEO and founder of one of the best gin brands in South Africa. Thank you, Brigitte.
1: I'm honored to be part of your network of female leaders, as it were.
0: Lorna, just a little more than two decades ago, you started in the gin distillery industry. How did you come about owning a business of this nature, especially since it didn't look like you had that kind of background before you decided to take this plunge?
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes life certainly takes very strange roots to what ultimately has become for me, at any case, a whole new mission in life. It's given me a whole new purpose. As a sort of background of what happened is that I was at the time, about 2007, 2008, came back to South Africa, having lived abroad for a number of years, and I ended up in politics. Part of that journey was that I also was involved in local economic development and worked with a number of female groups who were recipients of land reform projects and discovered a number of extraordinary things that was just unique to this area. As the deputy mayor, as I was appointed, one of my biggest challenges really was to find a way to create employment in an area where there was very little industry and mainly farming communities. And the idea to find a way of creating an industry that would not only create employment, but be able to sustain the broader picture of what we're all about. In
0: 2009, you started a family business, and for three years, there was an incubation process. That incubation phase is where all the planning obviously went into a brand of such a nature today. Grown this company in 2021 to have a product range that is available in at least 16 countries worldwide. You employ a staff of 60 and growing, and you do have a female staff capacity of 70%. Looking back on those three years of that incubation period, how important? is that because I think of the entrepreneur that is so excited to get going at this point in time the times that we find ourselves in there's a lot of pressure to get going but how important is that incubation period
1: it is absolutely vital i think there are a number of lessons that i've learned and you know it's, it has become part of my philosophy with any of our you know new endeavors or diversifications and i think the first thing is that you have to fully immerse yourself in your business idea master the craft. You know, I knew absolutely nothing. I have a marketing background. And as you've heard, I was a politician. So, you know, with that sort of a non-related background to develop a product that I didn't know the first thing about, meant that I had to go look for mentors. And I was just really so fortunate to live where I do because, and this, by the way, is a terribly undervalued resource. We have the retired community with a wealth of knowledge and experience and you, know, you can only go fishing so often and go to the library or join a book club and then there's an opportunity to be part of a, a new venture which is what this represented. So I think the journey for those three years was spent on learning, mastering the craft, developing the recipes working with mentors of which there were botanists and also uh, the retired distillers that all so graciously and unstintingly were able to give of themselves of their time to guide me, but also to impart knowledge, you know, paying forward, as it were, so that I was able to really make sure that the final product was truly true to what we had envisaged. And I think the, the other point that those first three years also taught me is that to stay true to your original vision. When you have it and you, and you, you have that clarity, that moment of clarity that you know where you're going and why you're going, especially why you're going you then need to kind of write that somewhere in stone, literally. There are many ways of getting there, but where you're going has got to be so clear. So even when people tell you, you know, that nobody's ever going to drink this brown gin, for example, that was one of the comments we we had quite often when I was the first in anywhere to launch three gins, of which two of them retained their natural colors and I didn't filter them. And nobody thought that anybody would drink brown gin or green gin. So the Verdant and the Amber are, in fact, you know, the, the ones that are continuing to surprise people. So stay true to your ideal and don't change it just because there are detractors of, of what it is that you're doing.
0: Lorna, you mentioned having mentors. Do you go and approach mentors or how does that work exactly?
1: I was very fortunate being, again, through my setting up of consultancy groups um, in politics as the mayor, I had advisory groups that worked with nature conservation, um, that were local economic development, et cetera. So most of these people were already known to me as part of the um, advisory groups and support groups um, that I've mentioned. When I started to develop the idea, it was easy for me to approach them and say, you know, I've got this crazy idea. I want to make gin from Fameboss." And as a result of that, taking the time to impart your vision.
0: Lorna, you mentioned that you had quite a vast network. So it was easy for you to tap into that resource of having a mentor. I'm thinking of the listener thinking to themselves, but they don't have that kind of network. How would that person go about getting a mentor?
1: Well, I'm hoping that a lot of the listeners are actually female. And the reason why I say because there is this extraordinary network that I am now part of, and that started about four or five years ago. It's called the Lionessus of Africa. And it is a it is a platform where entrepreneurs, you know, people who are freshly launched or are just starting to create their um, businesses, can share their stories. And there are so many of these women that are being mentors already, and you build up, you know, networks of people in the same industry. Just in the last two weeks, I've had long conversations with two of the other that have started a tequila brand, and another one who's also got a brilliant um, gin brand. I know that my spending time with giving them guidance and advice and commentary on, you know, how their journey is going, is definitely something that I will continue doing. But also explore your local community. As I say, there are all these people who, with skills and knowledge that are probably in your in your local area. Start talking. You
0: know, go go to meetings. In Barash Distillery was one of those businesses that were hardest hits. During this lockdown, but in saying that, I'm sure you saw opportunities where you could step up as a leader and where you saw your staff stepping up as leaders as well. Well, the thing, of course, was that it all happened so suddenly that, you know,
1: we had to try and I think the, the word of the moment is pivot. But we were kind of pivoting forward in not only seeing opportunities for the immediate future, but also for the long term. So what we did in the short term with the first lockdown and then subsequently also the second one is um, we applied to become um, a supplier of sanitizers. But unlike many other distilleries, we did not sell it. We donated this to our local municipality and all of the local hospitals and all the frontline workers and in the different townships. That was the first thing we did. And we just simply used up what spirit we had left from for making gin. We also converted, at that point, the, the production kitchen for the ice creams and chocolates and turned it into producing hot food, which we worked together with the municipality to distribute this throughout our region, uh, especially to the informal settlements. In the long term, it really um, helped us to understand that there was this opportunity to connect directly to the consumer through media. And so we, we literally, we developed and launched three months ago now, of virtual reality tour of the distillery. We do online tastings so and we even do this in, in, in London and, um, and, and, and of our other countries where we are already present. So people dial in, we send them a kit, which will have everything you need to do a tasting, a, a tutor tasting and create certain cocktails. And then we do masterclasses through, you know, social media and through our website. So that's just, you know, one example. We also have gin schools that we do um, with an avatar. So you're able to actually create your own gin using um, the avatar opportunity again through our website. And again, that's something that we are busy rolling out and will do throughout the different countries with our agents.
0: Lorna, that's so interesting. If there's two words that come out of what you have just said now, it would be agility and innovation. And I think that's exactly what Inverash Distillery has done during this time where they've needed to in order to keep the doors open. For the listener that is considering to take that leap of faith to go into entrepreneurship and start their own business, what advice do you have for them knowing what you know? Well, I think I've kind of touched on, you
1: know, what you have to do in those first sort of the, the formative, the foundation period. Um, whether you're able to do that full time or, as I had to do while I'm holding down another job, um, is is important that you need to be able to prepare yourself. That you need that extra time to do that. But I think the success of anything that will be sustainable in, in the long run, has to start off with you developing a brand. If you don't have a brand, there's no way that you know, anybody's going to recognize your product and make sure that you create a product that is truly unique. You need to be able to differentiate yourself from you know, the crowd. And you need to build into your business plan from the very beginning, the principles of sustainability you know, look at renewable energy, make sure that you have a zero waste and a zero plastics campaign for yourself. Plan that your packaging is going to be all, um, it can either be recycled or must be biodegradable. And you need to understand that your business plan will need to grow and change because things never work out exactly as you plan. So flexibility Um, As I've said earlier, so you know what you're doing, but how you get there can be different. And part of that sustainability agenda should include empowering and benefiting your community. We have to accept that the responsibility really for a future for our children lies in our own hands. The environment in which we operate is often so alien, especially if you're a woman, and in my case, operating in a male-dominated industry. You have to know that it's going to be harder, but knowing that doesn't mean you give up. You just prepare and make sure that you have all the tools necessary to cope with the challenges ahead and build networks. We have to help each other.
0: Lorna, so well put. And I want to thank you so much for making time today to meet with me, to have this discussion, and to encourage more entrepreneurs in our country. And like you say, female entrepreneurs will be great as well. And I wish you continued success in building this Inverage Distillery brand on a global scale. Thank you so much for your time.
1: This podcast was produced, edited, and hosted by Podcast Champions.